It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, The Matrix. Hey, hey, movie maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm joined by my brother, Dusty. What is going on, Dust? What's up, dude? Hey, so... I was noticing in this movie, this is, and this came out in 1999. Did you know that, or at least it seems to me, that this is the very, very first time that we ever see a hero landing? Did you I, notice that? I thought the exact same thing, and I think the first time was from the agent in the very beginning, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I noticed that as well. Like we had talked about in prior movies, when you see that superhero landing, pulls you directly out of the movie. And so, <laughs> of course, pulled me out and I had to think about it. I can't recall. I'm sure there's somewhere, some movie that had it. But this is, that's why this movie's so groundbreaking. They introduced the superhero landing. That's what it was, dude. Nothing else. Solely the superhero landing. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But I think Mr. Trinity also does it, I think, once at least. Um, yeah, inside the movie, but yeah. So how is everything over in your neck of the woods? Oh man, things are going good. It's starting to warm up. It's been, it's been a really weird Fresno, Central Valley, California, May with a lot of rain and stuff, you know, but today all sunny back up to 84 degrees back up in the nineties by, uh, by the weekend. So things are, you know, it's summer in Fresno, you know what it's like. Oh yeah, no, it's beautiful over here in Arizona right now. We had a lot of weather coming through. What was really cool, we just got back from, so there is, is have you heard of Scottsdale? Yes. So yeah, it's a pretty, you know, I wouldn't say ritzy, but it's, yeah, it's a pretty more expensive place. And um, for the Memorial Day weekend, uh, it wasn't really weekend, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because I don't have a job because um, I don't need a job because I invest in real estate. We go whenever we want. Anyways, there's a resort in Scottsdale that we went and stayed at for two nights and they had like, inside the park or inside the resort, they had this whole water park thing with the lazy river and slides and all that good stuff. And so we were doing that. But man, it was such a beautiful day. And we just got back like literally 30 minutes ago from there. And, you know, it's only about a 30 minute drive, but it feels like you're on vacation and everything. And it was a lot of fun, miniature golf and all that good stuff. Nice, man. That was fun. So did you spend um, all three days, at least a little bit in the water park, all three? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely did that. Yeah. So it was it was a good time. And then um in the in the middle of that, getting to watch the Matrix again. I have not seen it, I want to say at least for a good maybe 15 years. Uh such a phenomenal groundbreaking movie. It was made in 1999. Can you believe that? It's been that long. It's it's hard to believe. And I'm probably right there with you. I might have seen it 10 years or so ago. Uh and what was pretty cool, it's my boys' first time watching it. You know, they watched it with me and they really did enjoy it, man. Some of the times my youngest one, Danley, he's nine years old, he was a little bit confused sometimes when they'd go back and forth between the real world and the matrix. But overall, really fun movie. Everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's perfect right now. It's actually on Netflix. So I didn't have to like find a DVD or, you know, go rent it or something. It was perfect right there on Netflix. Yeah, me too. Same thing. They have all three on Netflix and we've already watched the second part. We will be watching the third sometime soon. So what did the boys think about The Matrix? Uh, They both enjoyed the movie very much. Definitely. The action was a lot of fun. They they were slightly, like like I said, the youngest one was slightly confused by the story at times. But in general, I mean, it's a fun movie and they weren't bored at all. They just watched it the whole time, you know? Got it. Got it. Got it. It, it is 
a pretty high level. Um, you have to think a lot. And then when you get in the second and third, there's lots of philosophy. Like the um, uh, writers, uh, Wachowski brothers, yeah. um, put a lot of philosophy and a lot of like just thinking things inside of it. So it was um, cerebral. Like if you think of uh, Bowfinger, you know, it's mm-hmm. too cerebral. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, super, super fun movie. And the cinematic cinematography, really, really cool. Like when they're in the Matrix, the color is a little more green um, in general. And and then, you know, the super awesome when the very first scene when Trinity gets tried or the, the cops tried to arrest her, that super awesome scene where she jumps in the air and the camera pa- or like the, she pauses in the middle, middle and the camera kind of anyways, like the spinning effect. It was really, really groundbreaking and it was really cool. Did you know how they actually got that shot where she jumps in the air and it pauses and then it feels like the camera spins around in a circle around her? Do you know how they did that? Yeah, they had like 50 cameras or something set up around her in a circle, right? All recording the same image. Exactly. And so that's how they got it. So in a circle, but then um, also it also elevated. So if you watch it, it starts in one and it just doesn't go in a 360. It literally goes up a little bit each time. And it's just super cool seeing how they did all that. Yeah, it was. And I remember after this movie, um, it became kind of a... Mm, I don't know, cliche is not the right word, but I would see some music videos and stuff would start to use it. One in particular, I think was a TLC Waterfalls, I think that video. They did a lot of that bullet cam too. I had no idea. Never, I don't think I've ever watched that uh that uh, music video but yeah i could easily see like once it's done once everybody's gonna be like oh i know exactly where they got that they're copying it from just like when a comic a comedian like a comic or comedian tells a joke and then maybe even like five ten years later you hear the same joke you're like huh i wonder if he stole that from that guy yeah, that's that's one of the things Adam Carolla talks about that um, a lot. His belief is that nobody's ever probably purposely stolen his jokes. But a lot of times, like when you're doing a topical podcast, you do episodes every day, you're going to see stuff that happens in the real world. It's going to trigger something in your brain. It's like big group thinking, right? So 50 people on Twitter in the same hour are going to come out with the same joke or in their podcast the next day, they're going to make the basic same joke about whatever the news of the day is, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Some people, uh, people do copy jokes and stuff but i think there's a big group think that happens you know yeah and so thinking about the budget they had back in 1999 which is a good while ago i mean this was before the world trade center um you know, explosion and or you know uh, uh terrorist stuff and this was way before that this is even before y2k and I don't know what the dollar was, but it, this budget was $63 million in 1999, which is a ton of money back in 1999. Definitely. It sure sounds, it sure sounds like it is. So it made, uh, in the first weekend in the United States, it made almost $28 million, which, you know, nowadays it seems like they actually make the money up, uh, you know, like the Marvel movies. Like they, they make the entire budget in the first weekend. But um, so it looks like, 28 million and the budget was 63 million, but the community worldwide gross is 4.6. Sorry, it's not 4.6, 463 million dollars in sales. And that's obviously not to mention anything else, but um, yeah, really, really good moneymaker. I didn't look at part two yet, but I know I absolutely went and watched part two and three because one was so amazing. Oh, absolutely. And do you have any idea, can you remember back to 99 what the marketing for this movie was at the time? Because I think this movie really surprised a lot of people. They didn't know what to expect. 
uh, not only the groundbreaking cinematography, but just the whole sci-fi elements of a matrix and we're all in a simulator and that kind of stuff. I don't think the marketing really communicated that at the time. I would absolutely agree because when I watched it the first time, I had no clue what was really going on. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And I remember seeing Trinity almost getting arrested and all that sort of stuff. And she disappears like, what? What's going on? Oh, yeah. Which was really good because it makes the story so much better. That it does, without a doubt. Just hey. like just like we don't watch uh, trailers, and the reason why is because we want to go into a movie knowing as little as possible. Okay, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Which one is better? So which movie is better? And you know, I'm going to go off a movie where it's about AI. You know, AI is artificial intelligence. Which movie is better, The Matrix or The Terminator? Oh, I think The Matrix is more rewatchable. The Terminator spawned a giant franchise, and it's it's a fun franchise, and you love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, uh, yeah, I think The Matrix is slightly ahead of it. What do you think? I think because of the more like the the difference in seeing the Matrix world and the real world, and everything in the Matrix being so much more, so much more complicated, and so much like the storyline is so much more. Uh, nuanced as opposed to Terminator. Terminator was fantastic. Loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everything about like the whole thing was just super. Where he cuts his eyeball and all that stuff. It was just super awesome. But I think it's because of the story for me that I put Matrix above because there's so many new different nuances on top of the cinematic was just super awesome. I mean the, Ma- the Terminator I think came out in like in I don't know eighty seven or something like that. You know we were really young, but. um I think between the two, for me personally, definitely The Matrix because um, everything combined and the storyline was so awesome in The Matrix. Yeah, I agree with you there. And and something that you had just mentioned, you said the term AI for artificial intelligence. And you also said that this movie was very cerebral, right, with deep ideas and stuff. What's interesting is, yeah, this movie treats the audience like they're pretty darn smart. But a couple times they kind of treated us like idiots. Like um, at one point, what was it? Morpheus said the word AI and then Neil goes artificial intelligence like (laughs) like the audience needed that question and later on Trinity says an EMP and he goes EMP and she goes yes (laughs) electromagnetic pulse everybody should know that he is Neo he was supposed to be cutting edge computer hacker he knows all of this kind of stuff the fact that he is asking it for the audience just kind of makes them makes me think that they thought a little bit less of the audience than they could have you know what I mean I could see that. But do you think it would not be necessary if to back in 1999 for AI and EMP to actually be explained out? See, that's the thing. I can't think back to what my mindset was and what my technological sophistication was at the time. Now, everybody knows EMP and AI, but maybe it's because it was introduced in movies like this. You know, and other science fiction since then, you know, I would absolutely agree. I I think the exact same thing, because back in 99, what was I? I think I just graduated high school. I was like maybe two years into college. I had no we didn't have smartphones. We barely had computers. Um, I wouldn't say barely, but we had computers. Definitely didn't have smartphones or anything like that. iPod wasn't even created. Um, So we definitely didn't have anything close to AI or EMP. I had no clue what those terms were. And so maybe the little differences would be where he's actually um, Neo is like, yes, like the first time with AI artificial intelligence. That was right because he knows what it means. And the second time, instead of like, oh, what's EMP? He could have said, oh, yeah, an electromagnetic pulse. Yeah, we need to do or something like that. But I get instead it. of asking it in terms of a question, you're right, stating it like he knows what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, I I thought that the the Matrix itself it was as you're hearing the story, we're learning about it just like Neo. That's what I, what I really really like because it's I always like movies that I kind of find myself or basically find myself as seeing myself in the movie. What's really, really great is as you learn about the whole world of the Matrix, you're learning it just as Neo does. And what is good about the storytelling is when he finds out about the the Matrix and everything about it is when you find out. And so it's really, really cool when you see the red pill and the blue pill. You're like, oh, I don't know which one to take. Like, I don't know which one I'd take. And it's it's really, really good the way the story plays out to where once he figures out what the Matrix is, that's when you get to figure out what the Matrix is. 100%. And I think everybody... Not everybody, but most people would take the red pill. Wait, that's the right one, right? Getting out of the Matrix, the red one? Yes. Yeah, so most people would take the red pill because of the way that he presented that question. He didn't say that once you get out, you'll never be able to get back in. And the real real world is pretty crappy. We gruel every day. It's dank and dirty. He didn't mention that kind of stuff, you know? So the way he presented it, everybody's going to want to know. And they're all taking the red Absolutely. Just like you present anything, you want to present it in a way that like if you're selling a car, you're going to say, hey, this is all the great things about it. You're not going to tell them, hey, at, at you know, 50,000 miles, you're going to have to do this, this and this. Like you're not going to give them the negative things. And so he definitely did a good sales pitch. And I thought it was really, really fun. I thought um, Lawrence Fishburne did a fantastic job. Actually, all the characters, I thought they did really, really well. Other than I would say other than. Cypher. You can already tell. I can't remember that dude's name. I just remember him in other movies, like always being somewhat of like a Weasley type of guy. But Joey could, Pants. There you go. He he. I've seen in some, some TV shows and movies, or I think TV shows and movies, where he wasn't a bad guy, but he's been in bad guy and others. But he just looks like a bad guy, just like in Marvel uh, Endgame, where Ant-Man goes, what, really? They just look like bad guys. <laughs> Cypher just 100%. looks like a bad guy. And so, but um, no, in, in the end, I think all personally, I really liked all the acting, everything about the, um, uh, even the just casting of the characters. I thought they did a really, really good job. And I really felt like the movie was well done. I agree with you there. And yeah, every time you see Joy Pants in a movie, you do get the sense that he's going to betray the group. So that's kind of a knock against him being in the movie. Um, but he, I thought he did a great job. But the the one character that I wasn't real big on or the actor was Carrie Ann Moss. I'm not big on her as Trinity. She's great in the action scene. She looks tough. She's beautiful. But acting wise, I don't get the sense that Neo would or anybody would really fall in love with her I don't know, with her persona in the movie. I can kind of get that. Um, You don't, and we've talked about this before, about the um, chemistry between actors. Like the worst one was with um, Skyscraper. You got The Rock and what's that chick's name? Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. That was like, literally, did you guys just meet like five minutes before you started filming the the, the film? Yes, they did. It's that bad. And so the chemistry in this... I didn't see it, but but again, coming from looking at the Matrix and the personality that you somebody might have coming out of there, you know, she's more I wouldn't say stoic, but at the same time, like what oh what what I really liked is when they're in all the, all the fight scenes and everything, even in like part two and part three where she's riding the motorcycle, they purposely made it so that there's no expression. Or it's, it's all serious. It's all just like on their face. It's just very, very straightforward because they they know they're in the Matrix and they don't need to grimace. They don't need to do any of that sort of stuff unless they're literally getting hurt. Like you see the entire fight scene or the, the shooting scene inside the hallway of the hotel. 
you see that you know they just look as plain as normal. And so I can kind of see where Carrie Ann Moss kind of gets that. But at the same time, um, I do see what you're saying. The com- there's no, no one say no. It, it, you don't there's see a little chemistry. chemistry there there's a tad bit of chemistry and for her to say you know i love you it's like how in the but i do i pause that why would she say her love after just meeting him but you got to remember she's been watching him for like months and months and months because neo's been having her do that yeah not neo morpheus oh sorry yes yes morpheus yeah. did it Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so not big on her, but I, I understand what you're saying. And I like the idea also that they've been in the Matrix. Like you said, they know that it's fake and stuff. But at the same time, they are they have a serious job ahead of them and they're trying to take care of it. And like you said, they don't need to show like crazy, I don't know, crazy expressions or grimaces and stuff because they've seen it all. Like they've done all of this stuff other than when it comes to like fighting hand to hand with agents. They've done it all in the past, you know, with their, with their experience in the Matrix. Yeah. Now, I would find that in this movie is one of my favorite is antagonist. Is that the, what or the you know, the bad guy? Yep. Is one antagonist. of my yeah. That's um, Agent Smith. He uh, Hugo Weaving. Weaving. Yep. Right. Did a fantastic job. First time I've ever seen the dude, and just blew knocked it out of the park. Blew me away. I was like, man, I love this guy as an actor. He's and then seen as Elrond in Lord of the Rings and all that good stuff. It's just really, really good. And I love him. I love the character, Agent Smith. One hundred percent. He was great. The way he speaks, like, uh, like he is a computer program trying to force out the words and stuff. It, he was awesome. He blew me away. And I loved, once again, just watching him in this role. He nailed it. And I bet you anybody with the last name Anderson, for months after this year, they heard Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Absolutely. Oh, so you and I, we have a friend. Um, he's a deputy in the sheriff's office and his last name is smith and so you know being a, a deputy and you know he's he's actually a, what you would call a, a sheriff's deputy or like a police officer anyways um i was calling him agent smith for the longest time because he was working in the sheriff's department hey agent smith and <laughs> just called him that all the time nice man did he ever uh play the role put on the glasses and speak to you that way no he didn't but he uh, he loved it he loved being called agent smith he thought it was hilarious i bet he did man um like this movie it's, it's incredible there's a couple of scenes that i just absolutely love but i've got to tell you my favorite scene my guess is it's your favorite scene as well is the lobby gun battle with the swat guys you you can't you can't get away from that scene being absolutely phenomenal i mean how they choreographed that all the explosions all the bullet holes everything is just so visually like it's just like Oh, there's a party in my eyes and everyone's invited. It was just so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> totally, man. Just, yeah, the slow motion, the pillars exploding, the flips through the air, the air kicks on the walls, you know? I mean, it, it was just crazy. And they don't get shot even once, just like Commando. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they survived that mess. You know, they took out 40 guys on their own or whatever that number was. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. Didn't even shot, and they were able to just pick up guns while they're running, and they actually had bullets inside the guns and all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it was phenomenal. So that, yes, that is absolutely um, my favorite scene. Now, I would extend that into where they actually get Morpheus, where he's in, they're in the plane, she gets, you know, the all of a sudden, in his, oh, fighting the other agent and, you know, dodging the bullets. Like, that whole thing, getting Morpheus out of there, that is everything combined in the, you know, the plane crashing into the skyscraper next door or, you know, right across the street. All that combined was such cinematography wise, just so awesome. 
And then some awesome CG I've never seen. I don't think I'd ever seen a helicopter crash into the building. And then the the wave, the power wave of the crash fluctuates all the windows and they blow out. Amazing. Yeah. And so I remember watching this movie and I had a cell phone at the time, I believe. Yes, I do remember having a cell phone. In fact, I still have my cell phone number from way back in, what, 1997 when I got mm-hmm. my first phone. Um, so I still have the same exact number. But I remember when the movie came out, I was, you know, usually you have like a, a phone that is either really, really big or it's a flip phone. But I liked how they had that where that bottom dropped out, where like it shot out really, you push a button. And you know which one I'm talking about that shoots out? Yes, yes. Yeah. Instead of so, flipping open, it just shot down. Yeah, I thought that was super cool. So I was like, man, somebody's got to have made that. Anyways, I bought one, a knockoff on eBay. It was actually pretty fun. It, it worked fairly well. It's a, you know, clipped off of my old phone and put on my new one. Really, really cool. But uh, yeah, you get you see new technology. You see Morpheus' sunglasses that he's wearing. All that good stuff is so cool. Is Morpheus' glasses, is that your prop? No, no, that's not my prop. What is your prop? My prop is what Morpheus is holding in his hand when he is telling Neo all about the Matrix. It's that little case that has the red and blue pill. So I'd have the case with the red and blue pill, have that open on my shelf. Nice, man. I do. I like that. I, I didn't even think about that one. Um, Mine is Mouse's Tommy guns. He got to you oh. know hold them up and fire them real quick, but they had these really cool, uh, I don't know what, cartridges or the, just the part that... Yeah, magazines that held the bullets, but they went around his hand. So his hand was seen in between them. So it was like a Tommy gun with a big round barrel or magazine with his hands visible through it. And he got to shoot him for three seconds. I don't remember if he hit a single SWAT guy, but having two of those up on my wall would be pretty awesome. Those are pretty spectacular. They, they really are. When he pulls them out, you're like, oh, those are neat. You know, you never seen it before. And that's something they were good at is making up things that, you know, hey, let's just make something different rather than just taking something that everybody knows. Let's make something brand new. Um, no so wonder the, it costs $63 million. Seriously. Yeah. Um, and the reason why we're doing The Matrix is the last episode, we went and did John Wick. And that was a super fun movie. And the reason why I'm bringing it up was because the – Director of John Wick, he was Keanu Reeves' stunt double inside The Matrix. And so in The Matrix, he was a stunt double, and now he's obviously the director now, but you also have Lawrence Fishburne in the movie as well. And you see the key maker who's in the part three. And so it's really, really great seeing how, um, from John Wick watching um, The Matrix. But what I wanted to bring up too on top of that was Keanu Reeves does so many stunts on his own like it really doesn't look like a stunt double now they could also do cgi and stuff to make it kind of look but i know that he does a majority of his stunts and right now he's 50 years old or 50 plus and he's doing the um, you know john wick and so more than likely he did the, just about all the stunts inside of the movie other than you know probably jumping out of the helicopter and stuff like that but uh super cool seeing somebody like that doing all his majority of his own stunts yeah 100 percent. i i think he started the whole stunt i ah I think one of his first action movies was Speed, right? Did Speed come out first or did uh, Point Break come out first? You know what? I don't know. Yeah, I guess we could take a look. I'm going anyway, to look it up right now. Yeah. I remember in Speed watching behind the scenes stuff when I got the DVD back in the day. Like he was the guy. He actually jumped from that moving thing onto the moving bus and he did a lot of his own stunts. My guess is that's where his his love of stunts and love doing love of doing the work himself started in Speed. Okay, so this I really wanted to find this out. So this was super awesome to look at. So 
there's a lot. He, I mean, shoot, he's been in so many movies. Um, so I'm just going to start where the ones where we would have first found out about him. Like he started first acting in 1984. I mean, I was five years old. So, you know, obviously he was a little kid. But um, so I'm going to start at Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's the first one that I remember. 1989 was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Then let's go up a little bit more. Point Break. Oh, sorry. Um, Parenthood. You remember that one. Yes, okay. He had a tiny role, but... Yes, that was good. I remember... Oh, dude, it's, Bill, it's, it's uh, Ted. He um, was so, uh, Martha Plimpton's boyfriend, right? Yeah. How do you remember her name? Well, it's Martha Plimpton. How do you oh, not yeah. remember a name like Martha Plimpton? That's, she that's, sounds like she belongs in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, she does. So Parenthood, that was... Yes, that was Steve Martin. And, uh, so, such a good movie. Um, Point Break was 1991. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, 1991 as well. Then let's go up a little more. Um, Speed is in 1994. He was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yep, he was. Wow, 1992. But yeah, Speed, 1994. And then let's move on. The Matrix, which was in... Oh, Johnny Mnemonic, 1995. Hey, everyone's favorite. I know, seriously. <laughs> that's like that's like Jim Carrey's uh, The Cable Guy movie. Like, oh, you almost ruined his career. Yep. But you have The Matrix, 1999. So, yeah, that's that's the progression. Obviously, he's been in so many other movies like The Replacements. Um, you're playing a football player. Um, let's see. Let's keep going. Man, he's been in so many movies. Some I've never even heard of. Yeah, he's 47 been constantly working ever since you, he started back in Bill and Ted, you know? Absolutely. Have you seen 47 Ronin? Uh, yes, I saw it. I can't remember liking it or not. It was like mediocre at mm. best, but do you know how much they spent on that movie? No, how much? $175 million. And cumulative gross worldwide, $151 million. So they lost $20 million, oh $24 million. What, what a terrible... Now, I do remember now, and I remember not liking it, and you look at the movie poster, you see that really cool-looking guy with all the tattoos, skull face, and he's in the movie for three seconds. Seriously, I know. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. tells you right there it's a crappy movie because <laughs> one of the faces <laughs> they put on the cover is not in the movie. Yeah, what Absolutely. a shame, man. So, yeah, if, if you guys haven't listened to our John Wick part three go back and listen to last week's episode it was uh super awesome to you and i record and talk about it as well as actually go and watch the movie so go and listen to that one so you could we talk a ton about the nuances between matrix and uh, john wick because the directors and actors and all that's good stuff it's very very cool um but yeah one line that goes back and forth between john wick three and the matrix is when neo says guns Lots of guns. Like when he's asked, what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. It's super awesome that they have them both the same lines in both movies. Yeah, it was. the And perfect. I mean, it was fitting for both. You know, they he needed guns in both of them to take care of the situation. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I do have a question for you, Dusk. And I think it's the same question that the Oracle asked Neo. Maybe not in these exact same words, but do you believe in fate? Fate? No, I don't. Cool. Me either. Yeah. Well, me, me, yeah. nice and simple. Let's move yeah. on. <laughs> um, no, uh, I definitely feel like I like nothing's predetermined for me. Absolutely not. I think it's more of a made up term. Yeah, that hey, it's it's my fate that I'm gonna have. No, absolutely. Just like um, in Avengers Endgame, where 
Thanos keeps saying, I am inevitable. Like, it's my fate and all that sort of stuff. I just, I personally, me being more of a rogue type of personality that I don't like being told what to do. That it, it flies, like, that's like punching me in my face that how there's a fate. There's something that I, I'm absolutely going to do and I can't have any, um, you know, say over it. I'm right there with you. And if there is such a thing as fake fate uh i don't care i don't believe in it so if it is ruling me i'll never know it i'm just gonna keep doing what i do yeah yeah so you know what was really neat and i i do agree with with him at this at this time so and the reason why i'll I'll explain why, why i say that so will smith he was actually approached to play neo did you know that i had heard that was he approached at the same time as Keanu, was Will Smith actually offered the role or what was the deal? I believe he was offered it before, but he was already going to star in Wild Wild West in 1999. And so he didn't do that. Honestly, I am so like, I like Will Smith as an actor. I think he does really good. Some movies he gets a little too carried away or too, I don't know, just uh, a little too weird. Like just for me, it's just like, oh, you're a little over the top. But um, but for the most part, he does really well. Like, um, the, um, I Am Legend, I think that is a very, you know, uh, somber movie and all that sort of stuff. So he did really, really well there. So he could have done well at the time doing uh, playing Neo. But and he this is why I said I agree with him. Um, Will Smith later said later on that he admits that he was not mature enough as an actor and that if he had given the role, he would have messed it up. And he has no regrets saying that Keanu Reeves was brilliant as Neo. And I completely wholeheartedly agree with him in that. 100%. I am down with that assessment as well. And I think he was great in Wild Wild West. I love that movie. Yes, his personality fits perfect for Wild Wild West. I thought he did a great, great job in that. And like I said, the difference between... He probably could have done a decent job as Neo, but man, Keanu Reeves just did a phenomenal job. Yeah, without a doubt. You cannot, uh, uh, you can't fault Neo or Keanu Reeves in any way for this movie for sure. Um one one other person I wanted to talk about, I really like. It's a very small role, but the actress that plays the Oracle, she was great, man. I loved her scene with Neo in the house baking the cookies. He knocks over the knocks over the uh, what is it called? The vase and yes. says, "What's really going to boil your noodle later is if you would have knocked it over if I hadn't have said anything." I mean, she was great in that role. Uh, you know, maybe we'll review matrix part two sometimes she was in that but then she got replaced for part three because she passed away but i thought she was awesome yeah she did a great job she was really really good um thinking of other things about the movie so in the uh phone conversation scene at the very very beginning i don't want to say very beginning but like when the agents are coming after him and he jumps out of his or not jumps but like tries to run away from them in his office and then goes out the window that's actually him keanu reeves standing out there 34 floors up and not using a stuntman Oh, that wasn't a set? No, that was actually 34 floors up. Yeah, he actually did that. That's awesome. And I would have just assumed a set, you know? Yeah, very, very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and thinking of more more other characters inside the movie, there were other, I guess, crew members that were on the Nebuchadnezzar. What do you think about the other characters that are on there? Uh, they were cool, but there's nothing really to report. You know, you got Mouse, the blonde gal, the black-haired guy that died i don't remember their names because they played small roles um tank and dozer which they were pretty cool and i remember i remember some news back in the day with tank everybody wanted him to be in part two but they put um michael what's his name 
in that role instead, you know, and he didn't uh-huh. get to continue his role. But, you know, I didn't I didn't think much of the rest of them. I mean, the main ones that you really want to follow, Morpheus, Neo, and Trinity. Yes, definitely. Now, what do you think about their handles, their names? Like Morpheus, Neo, and Trinity. What do you think about their names? I really like those names. And one thing that I, I had thought of to do was, you know, come up with another name. Last time I was Chun-Li, um, but for The Matrix, I mean, I could easily come up with another name. Yeah, do you know what Morpheus means? No. Or I would say means. So it's a Greek mythology, and that's something that in all of the three different Matrix, Matrix movies, they take a lot from history, a lot of Greek mythology, and all that sort of stuff. Like um, one of the uh, – or Nebuchadnezzar. Do you know what Nebuchadnezzar come from, the uh, the plane or the, their ship? No. So that's in the Bible. So Nebuchadnezzar is a king of Babylon in the Bible, and um, he's uh, he's a, a bad guy. Then he goes crazy, and be, well, the way it really works out in the Bible is Nebuchadnezzar is a big king. God puts him in there as king. He gets so prideful, so arrogant that he you know says that he's better than God. God brings him so low, basically he gets put out of his kingdom. He becomes mad like a, like, like he literally drinks water like a dog and things like that. Like it says that, but anyways, he's out in the wilderness for like, like five years. And then when he finally realizes that he is nothing, he comes back to his wits and he comes back and be king again. So it was really, really neat to see. Obviously you have Nebuchadnezzar, which is a biblical name. Then you also have Osiris, which is another ship that they have. That is a, I think it's like the devil. Like it's so, you know, they're just picking names, but that's, I think it's this, um, uh, for Satan or the devil. It's a Greek name for the devil. Morpheus is a Greek name for, um, God of dreams or Morpheus is the God of dreams. So yeah, having those different names that they're just, you know, finding really cool names out there in history that they can put in the movie. And it, you know, it makes it really fun, fun to watch. And I just didn't understand Trinity. Like why that name Trinity is, you know, three parts, which, you know, three and one, I was like, why did you give her name of Trinity? But it's just a, a, a neat female name, I guess. Yeah. 100% it is. Is there a old Greek word for whiskey lover? <laughs> yes it's called sky there you go that's yes, my name it's, it's spelled sky no i'm gonna be i'm gonna you know in the matrix put me in the matrix i'm gonna be jeebus <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> if you're picking stuff from the bible i mean there's the only so, that's the only name i can come up with <laughs> other than sodom i guess but i don't no, want to be sodom <laughs> well gamora's already taken so yeah. you know she, oh, she's gamora awesome. you're right yep yeah um also neo the name neo it's an anagram for something else. You know what it is? One. The yes, one. The one. Yep. He is the one. So yeah, I, I oh, man, going back and watching it all over again made me just man think this is such a good movie. Now here's one thing that I was thinking of: if the blue pill, wait, wait, yeah. So sorry, it is the blue pill that takes that gets you out of the matrix. It's the red. Cause I remember writing this down when I was watching it. So the blue pill is what gets you out. The red pill is what keeps you in. Oh, my okay. bad. Had it backwards. Yeah. So you, you forget about it. Now, why in the world didn't they just make tons and tons, like literally gallons and gallons of that, um, uh, blue pill stuff and literally just dump it in the water. And just make it so that everybody drinks it, so everybody gets kicked out, so that all the batteries are gone, and then the um, you know machines die. Well, do you want me to answer that seriously? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's because Zion can't handle that many people, right? We learn in part two that there's a quarter million people there. They're living underground. I'm sure their food is pretty scarce. It's hard to 
take care of all those people. If you add even 1 million more, you know, quadruple the number of people alive, you just won't be able to handle that. So you're basically kicking them out of the matrix to their own death. And that's not going to help you at all. And well, I don't, oh, yeah, I, I completely understand where you're getting at, but your end goal is to get rid of every single machine, every yes, single thing. But they and, don't, but, but to them, they, their end goal is to get rid of the machines, but they also want humanity to continue on. And if you suddenly kick out, well, if, if the number of people in the world at this time is any indication of how many bodies are being harvested or used as batteries by the robots, you got 6.5 billion people. If you kick them all out, you've just killed 6.5 billion people. That's not what you want. And they don't know this, but in part two, the architect, because I just watched it the other day with my boys, um, the architect says there is a certain level that we're willing to survive at and losing all of humanity would be just fine with us. There you go. So I still think a viable option because you have Zion, you could repopulate everything with Zion. Um, uh, Cause what's going to happen. They'll take the blue pill. They'll literally be, you know, dumped out just like Neo did and into the water and eventually die. So it's a bummer. Everybody will die, but the robots will be all gone. Cause there's no electricity. Um, so that's just, <laughs> but everyone's go. dead. <laughs> everyone's dead. I mean, Oh, Oh, well you saved a couple of them. Anyways, yeah. another, Another cool thing that I really liked, um, did you catch that there was a reference to a different movie, not specifically the name, but something in it? Did you catch, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll help you to gear you in the right direction or, you know, put you, Man, put you in the you right direction. Man, you ask tough questions. <laughs> I sure do. And the way I word them is really stupid. So it's going to make it harder. Um, so there is a reference to another movie and I'll give it, I'll give you a huge hint. It's a Kung Fu movie. And there's a reference to the movie inside of this movie. Do you know which movie I'm talking about? I cannot recall. No. It is a Jackie Chan movie. I'll give you another tip. Super Cop. <laughs> wow, dude. No, you're, you're <laughs> well, so it's close. It's not Super Cop. It's not Rumble in the Bronx. Nope. Um, I'll give you another hint. Drunken was, Master? There you go. Exactly. Oh, so, really? Yes. When he is getting uploaded all those fight things all like the the information on how to fight and you know learning all that stuff one of them was drunken boxing and drunken master and drunken boxing was made up by the people that made that movie drunken master so i thought that was pretty cool oh i had no idea you know if if uh if this like if if i could take away anything from this movie and make it real for me, it would be the ability to upload information and bam, I have it at my fingertips. It's in my brain. I know it now, like as if I had spent years learning it. Wouldn't that be just phenomenal? It would be the best thing ever. So I watched this. Um, I was just going through Facebook um, earlier today, and I, there was a video on there. And it was a dude that said how to learn how to pia- play the piano without learning. I was like, what? That's, it, it was just really weird. And anyways, he starts the piano, uh, the, the video talking about the piano. He says, you know, ain't nobody got time to learn, you know, seven days a week, eight hours a day for 50 years, how to play the piano. Well, ain't nobody got time for that. So this is how I'm going to, anyways, he breaks it down. He says, your left hand, use these three fingers, keep it in this shape and hit these four chords. And then this right hand, you just do this, this, and this. And anyways, it's going to take a little bit of practice, maybe like a month of practicing, but it sounded super phenomenal. He goes, anybody who actually plays the piano, you're going to, they're going to know that you're full of crap. Like you're, you're going to know, Hey, this guy's just doing this, but it sounded phenomenal. But that goes to my brain with exactly what you were just saying. 
it sucks learning things. It takes forever to learn something and be good at it, professional about it. And so it would be awesome just to be able to, ah, let me, oh, there's my USB port in my arm or my, my head, just click it in and then boom, you know it. Oh yeah, man. There are so there, you know, it is probably possible for anything to learn it super quickly because there are shortcuts and hacks to anything like, um, you know, Nathan's hot dog eating those guys for years and years, generations or decades, they were just eating hot dogs regular. And all of a sudden, this little Japanese dude, Kobayashi comes in, starts snapping them in half, biting them down, dipping the buns in water, drinking them down. And he blows everybody out with like 55 dogs when the record was like 32 before that, you know, like there are ways to hack the system. And what you just said, that is a really awesome hack for learning the piano. You could trick anybody. And most people, my guess is 99% of people would not know that you just now did a hack for piano learning. And you know what? I have a piano. And when I saw that, I'm like, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to make myself learn it just because being able to sit down, like, you know, when you go to a, like a fancy restaurant and there's a piano there, you go like, even just, I remember going to a hospital when our kids were having, or sorry, my, my wife is having our kids. There's just a piano in the lobby that, you know, people would play. And I was like, wouldn't it just be awesome just to sit down and go, blah, 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 just be able to play something that sounds super cool. And like, you know what? That'd be a cool party trick. Hey guys, watch this. Oh, and it also reminded me of one of my favorite movies. And eventually we're going to have to do it. You know what my favorite movie that revolves around a piano? Not revolves, but has a piano in it? Uh, no. Uh, you're, you're, no you're, ne- you're never going to guess it. So my questions are super, super hard. <laughs> Once again, a tough question from Dusty. <laughs> so it has Bill Murray in it. I'll give you that tip. Oh, of course, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. There you go. <laughs> and so he lives, he's taking piano lessons, and the lady says, and after you know, day after day after day, and she, the, uh, he gets better and better, and he starts playing for, her and, he, and she says to him, "Are you sure this is your first day playing the piano?" Because <laughs> it's the same day over and over again. He goes, "Yeah, well, my father was a piano mover." So, <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's right. Oh man, so, yeah. him and oh, Ned Ryerson. That's a great movie, man. It is a great movie. We, you're right. We will cover it someday for sure. Yep, yep, yep. So um, I want to find your Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback because I have mine. What's your Monday morning quarterback? It is so easy. After the or meeting the Oracle, they're heading back to that decrepit multi-story building. The agents, they seem to be able to get places super quickly. They should have already been there waiting um, setting up an ambush, a booty trap to catch them before they got into the building. That I, I I agree, and there I have one a little different. Uh, they could have done at the very very beginning without even having to track Neo or pull that tracker, that little um, I don't know spider looking thing. thing. Yeah, all they had to do was get him the phone the night before, or like literally hand him a phone, or get the FedEx guy to show up. 10 minutes earlier, you, he could just walked out. Like what, why did he have to go through that whole rigmarole of go now, go now, and then go out the window, do this. Like literally just give him a call on the phone. Like you should have done something like that. It's have been so much easier. Yeah, totally. Why wait for this phone to arrive via courier? Just call him on his office phone. There you go. Just say, Hey, I'm Morpheus. That's going to perk Neo's ears up <laughs> right away. He knows the name Morpheus. Leave the building now, hop in a cab, go to one, two, three Downer street and I'll meet you there. And that's it. You know, there you go. End of story. Absolutely. Totally. Yes. That's a good, that's a good Monday morning quarterback. I like that one a lot. So yeah, there's a couple things like that. Like, um, uh, when what's his name? Um, Oh, agent Smith. At the very beginning, with you know, tracking down um, uh, Trinity, tracking her down, you know, chasing after her, and then he gets that big garbage truck and does like a, a one eighty to to ram into it. I was like, why didn't he just run into the phone? Like, 
why why did why did you have to do that? It's just kind of weird, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, just just to answer that, I think it's because he took over the body as it was passing already. You know what I mean? I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm not sure, though. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, there's plenty of instances in a movie like this um, where the act or the characters could have done something different to totally change the outcome. I yeah. agree with you there. But you had just mentioned um, your Monday morning quarterback, you know, with the whole squid thing in his or shrimpy thing in his stomach. That relates to my first life lesson. And it's simply never trust men in suits. They're going to no capture kidding. you, hold you against your will and put some shrimpy thing in your tum tum. That is brilliant. Never trust men in suits. I love it. Yeah, so what is your first lesson? Yes, my first lesson is do, follow, and be what you believe in. So whatever you believe in, you definitely need to do what you believe in, follow what you believe in, and be what you believe in, rather than saying, you know, I'm just going to go with the wind. I I don't believe in anything. You want to believe in something, and that Neo believed in it and he did it because he knew it and or he knew it in deep down inside just like um you know he when he knew that he could save morpheus he just knew it and he did it yeah you're right about that 100 percent. one of the things oh i i hope i wrote it down dag nabbit oh here it is here it is um what you just now said the oracle one of the best quotes out of the movie she said you just know it from balls to bones and like you said um, Neo knew that he was meant to save uh, Morpheus and he did exactly what he knew. I love that. Yeah, I think it was really cool too. And you're right. I'm, you said it a little while ago. I thought the actress who played um, uh, the Oracle did a great job. She was very, very um, uh, enjoyable to watch. And I really like the nuance of her basically lying to him, but that's what he needed to know and or he needed to hear in order for him to actually do what he needed to do. Kind of like with the end game, you know, similar to the end game of Avengers end game, where if um, uh, Dr. Strange would have told Tony Stark, well, you're going to have to die in order to do it. He's not going to do it. You know, he's you, he can't tell him exactly what sh- is going to happen or what um, he needs to do. He needs to make up his own decision, his own mind, his own decision for himself. Totally. I agree with you. I love that. I love that point of yours right there. Cool. All right. So my second lesson is very simple. It's also a lesson that we learned from the movie Zombieland. It's rule number two, and it's always double tap. And so at the end or towards the end, when not, or I guess in the middle of the movie, my bad, when Joey Pants tried to kill um, Tank and Dozer, shot them with that electrical whatever gun thing, he should have, you know, he should have double checked. He should have tapped them both again, double tapped them with that gun, make sure they were dead. He failed. Tank got up and turned the tides on him and actually, you know, turned into, I don't, miracle's not the right word, but uh, Neil was all of a sudden miraculously saved by Tank coming back to life because uh, Cypher didn't double tap. Absolutely. He didn't. And you're absolutely right. That's something that, you know, when I, I like firearms, I've said this many, many times. So I like going to the range and shooting, but that's something that you try to do is you do a double tap. And, you know, if you have in a holster, pull it out and boom, boom, like you do two in the chest and then one in the head. That's really, you know, the best way to do it. And you, the lights out for sure. Do you practice what you preach and put a double tap to the deer's head? <laughs> <laughs> no, the bullet that I use is gargantuan. I mean, it's a yeah. 300 wind mag, which. Think of, we talked about last week, the Parabellum gun, the nine millimeter gun. Think about the size of that by three. So, I mean, it's, uh, well, I mean, if you're holding in your fingertips, it, think about like the, the nine, the, think of your index finger 
your fingernail on your index finger. That's about the size. Think about a round ball. That's about the size of the nine millimeter parabellum bullet. My 300 wind mag is longer than that and about three times the size of that. So anyways, if that bullet hits a deer, it is destroyed. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, the heart is literally like, hopefully you hit, you aim for the heart. So you want to kill him as quick as possible. Um, but the heart's literally exploded. It's, it's destroyed. I bet. Totally, man. So what's your second lesson? My second lesson is never trust the guy that looks like a bad guy. Mm, yep. Good lesson. <laughs> Judge a book by its cover is basically the lesson. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Judging books by their cover? cover? Yeah. yeah. I mean, until you know differently, until you see differently that that book is actually not a book, it's something different. Yeah, you can judge anything by its cover, you know? And there, there was, a, I don't exactly remember where I heard this, but there was a story of a quick story that there was a CEO of a big, you know, fortune 500 company, but it's a big, big company. And they were interviewing people for a certain position, like a high up executive type position. And they had a good long interview with somebody over dinner. And there was a bunch of people that were a part of it. And one person asked him, so is this guy that you would hire? And the guy said, no, I don't like his face. <laughs> the mm-hmm. CEO said that. And the other person asking is like, what? What? That sounds rude, mean. He's all, well, he has a, a rough, ugly face, meaning he's he looks like he's always upset, and which means like an ugly face, ugly life. He's had a bad, rough life, which is going to translate into the business and the job, and it's not going to be good. So I just know what I know, and this is my gut. Totally. That's a good, good perception right there. And uh, making your decisions based on that is totally fine too. Yeah, I agree. Now you don't tell mm-hmm. them, you know, you don't tell them. No, hey, yeah. it's because your, your face is ugly. Now, if you want to be crude, you could do that and mean, you can ask to do that. But you know, for yourself, you got to judge, um, you know, trust your gut and go with your gut on everything. Yep. 100%. All right. Okay, so, so are we on my third lesson? Third. Yes. Your third. Okay, cool beans. So third lesson is perception is reality. So that matrix itself, sure, it's not real, but everything that happened in Neo's life up until he left the matrix, those are all experience that experiences that actually happened. They've shaped his mind. They sh- they've shaped his perception of things. Those fake experiences have actually turned him into the person he is. So even though they didn't happen in real life, quote unquote, real life, they are real enough to, mm, I guess, you know, turn you into the person you are. So perception is reality. Like, for example, if I think, I don't know, somebody is, is, uh, my wife is cheating on uh, me with somebody and I want to get revenge on him, even though it's not really happening. And if I go and beat him up or kill him, yeah, my perception is that it happened. Now my perception is his reality because I acted upon what I believe to be real. Mm. That's a little too cerebral for me. You're a little too smart. Uh, that oh. went way over my head. <laughs> Wait, you don't think perception's reality? No, I, I'm just joking. Oh, yeah, gotcha. no, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, perception is reality. Just like when Cipher is talking to Agent Smith, saying, you know what? I know that this is not meat. I know that this is not beef. I know it's just electrons and all that stuff telling me it's juicy and tasty and all that stuff. But <laughs> ignorance is bliss. So that's not my third lesson, that ignorance is bliss, because I don't believe that. But yeah, absolutely. You. <laughs> that's something that perception does or is reality. So my my third one is, for me, I am trying my best to bend spoons. So my third lesson is there is no spoon. There is no spoon. There is no spoon. So I'm trying my hardest. Nice, man. You know, it, it, it always makes me think 
What if it is possible if you truly believed you could fly like Superman? What if you could fly? Because I think there's always going to be that nagging doubt in your mind. But what if you if you 100% believe you actually could make it happen, you know? Absolutely. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. But we'll never know because I'm never going to truly believe that I can fly. I'm not going to believe it enough to get me to go to the top of a building and jump off, you know? I will absolutely never do that because yeah. it... it just on the just if just if it did happen that i fell you know i i because i'm pretty sure i'm gonna fly but just i want <laughs> to i want to remove sure. all doubt yeah <laughs> yeah nice man um cool bean so before we uh conclude this puppy anything about the matrix that we failed to mention the last fight scene I wanted to talk about really quickly um oh yeah you mean uh subway neo yes. smith fight Yes, I thought, so one, I just remember this uh, so plain as day in my brain. We went and watched the movie, a bunch of my guy friends, we went went to watch the movie, and that end subway scene where you have Morpheus and, not Morpheus, sorry, Neo and Agent Smith looking at each other, you know, at a distance, and you see the wind blow and a piece of paper fly by. It was, in the movie theater, this was hilarious, in the movie theater, it was dead silent. And as soon as that piece of paper flew by, my friend, he did a whistle. <laughs> and everybody was dying laughing because it's, it, it was like, it just broke the, 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 the tenseness or the suspense. It broke everything. And it was like, I just, I couldn't help it. It was like, but then obviously the fight scene was super awesome. But yeah, it was like perfect timing. <laughs> oh man, that is awesome. Kind of like, and it was kind of like an old Western face off, you know, that whole scene. Yes, it absolutely, which was very enjoyable. I really, really liked it. And then from, so that entire last scene, um, from that point, you know, where they're fighting, well, first, when they're actually, um, you know, running away and trying to get away with Mor- uh, Morpheus. But yeah, so when Agent Smith, they fight, and then he actually beats him, and then, oh no, he's back, like, and, and perfectly, like, I'm all beat up, and this guy's perfect brand new. And yep. then they keep going, and at the very end, where he says no and stops the bullet, that's why. I'm going to say that's why that was a, a foreshadowing when Morpheus said to Neo or after Neo said, so you're saying I could dodge bullets. He said, no, when you're ready, you won't have to like, whoa, like you didn't know what that, that, that meant that all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's super cool. hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad you brought that up. I love the, both of those scenes right there, the very end and that subway fight. Yeah. stopping the bullets with his hand, you know, just like, you know, nine or 10 bullets flying. He just stops them all. Yeah, really, really cool. But now, what I don't get is it, it. Maybe you can explain why when she tells him that she loves him, that he all of a sudden comes back to life. What was that all about? Uh, I don't think that's what brought him back to life. I think he was still alive, and it just take took some time for his mind to process and to actually the the spark to reignite and bring him back to life. I don't think it was her finally admitting that she loved him. That's just my take on it though. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense to me. It was just a little like, Oh man, like uh true love's first kiss and he comes back to life. Yeah. So if it, if, if the filmmakers meant it to be that she fell in love with him and that's what brought him back to life. Yeah. So be it Cinderella, whatever snow white kind of a thing right there. I just don't see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But 
everything from the movie was just super enjoyable to watch. I was glad that I went and watched it again. I'm obviously, since you said two and three are on there again, I'm going to have to watch two and three. It's, it's just really fun. And I really appreciate, I like philosophy just in general. Um, just the, the thinking, um, even though I'm not that smart, I do enjoy, you know, like, but in, the matrix there's a good amount of philosophy it's really really good especially uh i can't remember if it was part two or part three but when they're talking to the frenchman you know there's a lot of philosophy in that conversation that they're talking about and really really cool so i'm looking forward to it oh without a doubt man yeah you'll enjoy it part two was good i am going to watch part three probably this coming weekend um but oh the last thing we didn't give it a grade my grade is an obvious a as you can tell by everything that we spoke about for the past hour you know so Yes, I absolutely. Now, uh, as I go back and watch it again, if it were fresh right now and it came out just right now, it'd be a solid A. But I'm thinking about um, back when I first watched it. So mind-blowing. Um, it's an A+. plus. So I, I upgrade it to an A+, plus just because of when it came out and all that sort of stuff. It's an A+, plus for me. Gotcha. What it meant to you back then, how mind-blowing, uh, revolutionary it was. Yes, Absolutely. Awesome, man. So this was my choice. What are we going to learn from next week, Dust? We're going to learn from Godzilla. Is that nice, the name man? Is that the name, Godzilla? Well, Godzilla, the king or king of the monsters. King of the monsters. Now, I have. There's been so many Godzilla movies. I'm cautiously. Well, I'm not. I'm not optimistic at all. I, I'm oh. actually thinking this might be like another. Um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off Godzilla type movie, <laughs> which which wasn't that great. Hopefully, it's going to be better than that, but we'll see. But Godzilla, I'm thinking Godzilla hopefully will be good. Yeah, I'm down with it. Um, I don't know anything other than the name of the movie, and so I'm just looking for it. And I am cautiously optimistic because I did like the most recent Godzilla movie um, and just the whole idea that Godzilla is kind of on our side and wants to fight off these monsters that want to rule the world or destroy humanity. So I like where they're taking this Godzilla. Got it, got it. Now, what was the one before this? I don't know if I remember that one. The Godzilla um, I think before. it was just called Godzilla, and he's fighting these gigantic gray-colored creatures and godzilla comes to life every time they come to life to try to destroy humanity come to life is not the right word maybe he wakes up from his deep slumber once they come out to defeat them and he goes back into sleep huh okay let's do it cool beans man so for the audience thank you so much for listening we appreciate your ears and if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend so now that you know how we feel about 1999's the matrix we would love to hear your thoughts so please go to the show notes page watch and learn podcast.com slash pod 49 and leave a comment tell us about whatever life lessons you took away that we missed or some of your favorite parts that maybe we did not discuss Alrighty then, this has been Sky. And this is Dusty. And we will return next week with Godzilla King of the Monsters. Monsters.